You're listening to The Served Up Show, a podcast that features inspiring beverage professionals and topic experts that share their passions through meaningful content. Your hostesses, Bridget Albert, is best known as the Market Fresh Mixologist, an industry mentor with over 25 years of experience. And I'm Julie Milroy, best known for my passion for leading change and helping others grow in their careers. Grab a cocktail and sit back. Let's learn how we can make a positive impact in our industry. Hey, y'all, it's Bridget here. I had the opportunity to sit down with my dear friend, Billy Harris. Billy Harris is a cousin of vaudeville great Georgie Giselle. He has been performing for his entire life. By the tender age of five and a half, he was understood how to quote unquote worker room. Billy is an MC and a comedian with a huge heart. And over the last decade or more, Billy has raised tens of millions of dollars for charities like No Child Hungry. He partners with celebrity chefs, Hollywood movie stars, and a Grammy award-winning artist. Billy shares his passion for giving back and why he works so hard every day to do good for good people. You will leave this episode inspired, folks. So grab yourself a Sipsmith martini and enjoy the show. Billy, welcome to Served Up. I am so excited to have you on the show today, my friend. I'm as excited as you are, Bridget. (laughs) I'm guest number 76, I was told, on Served Up. You are, you are, but number one in my heart for sure. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Haven't, haven't heard that before. I'm sure you haven't. And you haven't uh, said that before, have you? Never, ever. First <laughs> time for everything. <laughs> for sure. How can I make your day better today, Bridget? That's Well, you know, you can make my day better by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself, you know, really about your beginnings, Billy, and what got you into sure. the entertaining space and especially the entertaining around the amazing charities that you support. But I'd love to take it back all the way from the beginning. From the beginning. Do you remember the movie Airplane? Because you're old enough, just like me. I do. Watch it. There was a great scene in the movie. They're like, (laughs) tell me everything from the beginning. And the guy goes, well, first there were the dinosaurs. That was the opening line because that would be the beginning. (laughs) Um, So from the beginning, yes. uh, This is Billy Harris, the host with the most, as some people like to call me. Um, But you know, the end game is, is in, before we go back to the beginning, it's, you know, in my world and kind of the cross pollination of everything of, you know, great wines, great cocktails, great food, great chefs, but kind of falls under the umbrella of, you know, food and philanthropy in general um, is just a winning combination. That's how it all kind of, you know, merged into what I do now and, and literally 30 years later. So to kind of backtrack to that, how it all started. Like if we go way back, you know, I, I come from a whole line of actually famous vaudevillians and, and grandparents and great aunts and uncles that all worked on Broadway, that worked in vaudeville, that worked in the Catskills. Some eventually made their way to Hollywood. We're talking in the 1920s, 30s, 40s, a long time ago. So I was truly born with, you know, a microphone in one hand and a cigar in the other and was a little wise ass kid and was a kid actor and did improv and you know, was always a wise ass and getting in trouble for that and loved comedy and loved stand up and loved Saturday Night Live and loved the theater. And so that was kind of always in my DNA. And, and everyone in the family is just funny, like, you know, and, and it's funny because we've, we've known each other forever, but there is a story of how it all came to be. And, you know, I really became a kid actor, went to college for acting, this and that. I actually even did a comedy magic act long ago because I, you know, when I found out that, you know, Johnny Carson started out with a comedy magic act and Orson Welles and Steve Martin, all these guys. And I just thought it was kind of, I like the Penn and Teller guys. You know, I like the white, not like look at the box and the girl shows up. I, I just found it very theatrical and it was a great way just to be sarcastic and do shtick and do card tricks and stuff like that. So it was just, didn't really know exactly what I was doing, but at a very young age, um, you know, right out of college and even during in college. And I went to college in San Francisco I got very involved at a young age in the corporate event world, trade shows, sales meetings, partner conferences, president's clubs, product launches, because I slowly kind of became the corporate MC. Like all of a sudden, because I have, you know, I have funny Billy on one side, but I've been self-employed now at 53 years old for over 30 years. So it was like, okay, I got to sell myself. I got to hustle. Like I'm, I'm funny, 
you know, I knew that I was funny. I knew I could make people laugh. I knew we could entertain. You know, I tried to do a little stand up. I worked on cruise ships. But when I got into the corporate gigs, it's kind of like a modern day vaudeville circuit. And, you know, even to this day, it's a great way to make a shit ton of money. And, you know, trust me, all the mega music acts and this and that, they all do corporate gigs because the money's too good. But I found that because it wasn't at the time just doing stand up or being out of work for eight months and then, then getting a gig as an actor. Like I just took my funny shtick and my improv and hosting and emceeing. And I was like, I, I could tell you right now, in 1989, I got hired to host a sales meeting at the Empress's Ballroom in Caesars Palace in Las Vegas. So that is 33 years ago. Wow. I think it was for a company called, you know, Microsoft, some sort of startup or something at the time. But it was like, hey, good evening, everybody. Great to be here. I'm Billy Harris. Let's bring out Bill Gates. Just shtick and funny and learn how to move things along. So this was before before food came into play or working with great mixologists and people in the spirits industry and the wine industry. So I started to find my place very quickly in the corporate event, MC world, MCing sales meetings and trade shows and partner conferences and president's clubs. And all of a sudden I started going all over the world like, hey, we're having our sales meeting in Fiji. We're bringing all our top salespeople from Samsung and you should come and host the awards thing. So I was this corporate event guy. So that's where the beginning of improv and acting and stand up and working on cruise ships and doing a comedy magic act. But as soon as I started getting hired in the corporate event world, it was like, holy shit, this is a real thing. And I can make a living at it, but I can really make a living at it still being a performer. To me, it was like being a performer, being an actor, getting paid to do what I do. That's the funny side of things. The other side is like, well, how do you sell this shit? How do you market it? What do you do? I mean, this is you and I have been the game long enough. This was, you know, I was selling all this before a cell phone, before a website, before an email, but it was possible. And it was a total school of hard knocks and, you know, taking the yellow pages and calling all the event planners and the meeting planners and like, hey, I'm funny Billy Harris. You should hire me for your gigs. So, you know, just pounding the pavement and traveling and traveling and traveling, that became very, very successful. But now, you know, there's a transition to that. So, you know, through Tony Abuganum, who changed my life, who we met, I went to college in San Francisco and we met through some mutual friends and like, you got to meet this bartender guy. He's a bartender and he's an actor and he works at this shithole in Oakland. You know, this was in 1989. So I met Tony over there and he slowly introduced me to cocktail people. And it was the very, very early pre everyone talking about mixologists and, you know, making cocktails with fresh ingredients and, you know, nothing out of a can or a jar, you know, just the let's use fresh lemon juice and lime juice and blueberries and fresh mint. But this was uncharted waters, you know, in cocktail land and in spirits land. Tony and I became best of friends. And then we moved to New York together, either within a few months of each other. It was probably either 1991 or 19. I think it was 1992. So still, that's actually 30 years ago. Exactly. And um, Mario, (laughs) Mario, Tony was, we'll leave politics out of this, but Tony opened up Poe on Cornelia Street for Mario Batali and his partners. And I met Mario at a really, really young age. And then I got involved with the Food Network. So that was the change because I, all of a sudden I met this guy who became a famous chef. I didn't know any chefs. I didn't know anything about food. I wasn't really a great cook. Um, but this was the transition. And the big change was meeting Joe Allegro, who I still work with to this day. Joe was at No Kid Hungry for years, but he started off at the Food Network and he was producing all of their live events. But so through Tony and through Mario and then meeting Bobby Flay and Rachel Ray and and Emeril and all these people, and through Joe Allegro and really Joe Allegro, I started working with chefs. Now I was doing what I was doing at the corporate gigs and everywhere else, like funny guy with a microphone, but instead of like giving out trophies at the Microsoft sales meeting, I was like, hey, Bobby Flay, what are you cooking in that pan? The audience wants to know. So I started doing and hosting events for the Food Network and then all the touring chef events. This was still in the beginning stages of the mega celeb chefs and before anyone was really a celeb chef. And it also goes to, you know, people, the chefs used to be in the back of the kitchen behind the wall. Nobody knew who the chef was, nor did anyone really care who the chef was, you know, and I was living in New York and everyone knew. Les Cirque and, and, you know, this was even before Thomas Keller came to New York York and, you know, Daniel Balloon was at Les Cirque before Danielle and all these mega high end restaurants and not the restaurants of, you know, the sixties and seventies and eighties, all the famous French places like Lutece and this and that. So in the early nineties, a lot of those were fading away already. And then it was the new school, but all of a sudden now 
I was the funny culinary MC instead of the corporate MC. I mean, it's literally this, what it was. And when I was selling myself and on my website, it used to have like corporate events, culinary events, all these different things. So, I mean, I guess there's a point to all of this, but this was the transition getting into food. The two biggest things that happened besides meeting Joe Allegro through the Food Network. So Joe Allegro went to No Kid Hungry for the Food Network. So now all of a sudden I was this culinary MC and traveling all over the country, hosting culinary events. But then when Joe Allegro went to No Kid Hungry, he's like, hey, I'm now at No Kid Hungry. It's this great organization. No Kid Hungry is now around for about 35 years. So they were already around for about 10 years or so when I started working with them. And they had brought Joe in from the Food Network to create great chef experiences where they can raise a lot of money for the issue of childhood hunger in the United States. So now all of a sudden you're like, okay, I went from the corporate MC, you know, to the culinary MC. And now I became this culinary MC slash how do we raise money at these culinary events for No Kid Hungry? It was really the first nonprofit I started working with. Billy Shore and Debbie Shore, the two founders, brother and sister, been friends for, you know, 25 years. And then the people that know me in fundraising land as the funny MC, auctioneer, fundraiser, that all, everyone that I've worked with for the past 20 years, all those tentacles come from No Kid Hungry. If it's the American Cancer Society, if it's Alex's Lemonade, if it's Lupus LA or Epilepsy or the New York Food Bank or the LA Food Bank or the San Francisco Food Bank, and on and on and on. I mean, I've worked for hundreds of charities and, you know, 30 years later, it's hundreds of millions of dollars that I've raised. So the two, and I've told this story obviously before, Joe Legro taking me to No Kid Hungry from the Food Network. That was part one. And Lauren Tripp, hey, Lauren Tripp, is a girlfriend of mine from college. So her son now is probably 30. And maybe when he was four or five, her son um, you're a mom, Bridget, just like I'm a dad. So at the school fundraiser, when they reach out and make all the parents give more money, oh, okay, yeah. the auctioneer for her son's school got sick. And she called me up and said, the auctioneer from her son's school got sick. Could you come and do the auction? And I had never done an auction. And to this day, thousands of auctions later and 25 years later, I'm, I never consider myself an auctioneer. I'm still just a wise ass with a microphone, but I know how to work the room and ask people for money. So I did that one auction in Beverly Hills or Pasadena, wherever it is in LA. And I just thought it was great. You know, I had a great time. I just did my shtick. I'm like, hey, who wants to go to Hawaii? I got a trip here. Give me five grand. Bum, bum, bum. You know, I wasn't doing a humana humana auction type thing, but these were drastic changes. And, and as a businessman, I'm like, oh, I think I could do gigs and make money doing auctions. How does that work? So I started doing auctions and then I started working with No Kid Hungry. And then it was the, the culinary fundraisers for these nonprofits. But it really all comes from No Kid Hungry because if you remember Lexus from 20 years ago or 25 years ago, their ad campaign was the pursuit of perfection. And Lexus became the main sponsor of No Kid Hungry. And I think at the time, I remember the dinner series because nobody talked about a dinner series, you know, 25 years ago. I'm drawing a blank here. No, it was called No Kid Hungry's A Tasteful Pursuit, brought to you by Lexus. We literally did five or six dinners around the country. I feel like I had like a Mr. Microphone from Radio Shack. Like it was just in the beginning days of doing, you know, really fundraisers with chefs and all the time, all over the country. So, you know, timing is everything. Um, I can credit all that to Joe Allegro. So I started doing all these auctions and then I started doing all these fundraisers and I started working with all these chefs. And as you know, at these big chefy events, you'll come in and it's, you know, it's Thomas Keller cooking over here and it's Daniel Balud cooking over there and it's Nancy Silverton cooking over there and it's Paul Kahn in Chicago cooking over there. And, you know, some of these major fundraisers now, like Alex's Lemonade going on 15 years and Alex's, you know, even pre-COVID and it's going to start up again this June, you know, they do four or five major fundraisers a year. There might be 10 chefs involved for the walk around tasting events. There might be private dinners with four or five chefs doing each doing a course. So when you take the massive fundraisers and the super small high-end dinners at Per Se in New York or Delinea in Chicago, Roasteria Moza in LA, it's Billy working with chefs and 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 Billy working with 50 chefs over here and 10 chefs over there. So times 20 years, that's how everybody got to know me. You know, and still this day, most people are like, what do you do again? Like, <laughs> is that like a thing? Like you travel around and you host a gig in Chicago and then you, and it is like it's a it's a modern day vaudeville circuit. 
So somehow I've wasted 15 minutes to kind of tell you how it all came together. And then along the way, obviously what goes well with great food is obviously great wines, but what goes better than that to start an evening off at any event is a great cocktail. And I think you and I met maybe 15 years ago at Tales of the Cocktail, or we, I know you and we I did, did the K- Kentucky Derby for a couple of we years did. ago we, as well. Yep, with Guy. So, you know, that was Guy through Tony. Mm-hmm. So this weekend, Tony and Charlotte and I were talking. So she met, Tony met Charlotte 18 years ago in Aspen. And then F, I met her on the second year. So Charlotte, 17 years ago, meeting Charlotte, and she brought me into Tales of the Cocktail and met so many more people. And I hosted those awards. So then I just took my funny shtick and, Took it on the took it on the road. But yeah, so that's how I mean, so starting doing all the tales of the cocktails event. That's obviously really how I got to know everyone in your space and the Bridgets and the Charlottes and the Francescos and the Charles Jollies of the world and everyone connected to brands and spirits. And then, you know, when we go into the next segment of this conversation, because for the past 10 years, we've been doing the Billy Harris dinner series now, mm-hmm. which involves so many brands and all of that. But that's next level stuff. What I want to ask you before we go into the next section of your life, let's say the next chapter mm-hmm. is for the listeners that maybe don't know what yeah. no kid hungry is or what they do or provide. Can you give yeah. just a little bit of context around this really important charity? Yeah. So no kid hungry founded by Debbie Shore and Billy Shore brother and sisters, I think in like 1985 or 1986, you know, 35 years later, food insecurity is still a big deal in this country and people don't people can't wrap their head around childhood hunger or anyone in the United States going hungry because it's definitely not from the lack of food. There's food everywhere. You know, we're not in uh, a small country in Africa right now. You're in the United States. But the biggest part you find the disparity is the access to food. And it's a total social economical problem. So No Kid Hungry started with their, you know, in-school lunch programs. And you're talking an organization over 30 that's raised hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars and have home, so many you know government partnerships and celebrity sponsorships. And Jeff Bridges has been their spokesperson for 10 years. And he starred him and Bo Bridges, his brother, obviously, I assume everyone listening, very, very famous actors who've been involved with childhood hunger also since the 80s. And it was just like, you know, we could solve this and wrap it all up pretty quickly. People thought, but and listen, the problem has gotten nothing but worse. And I've been involved with No Kid Hungry for 20 years, even with the work that they do. Um, so anyway, No Kid Hungry, they've had their um, Taste of the Nation events for 30 years, all or 25 years, all over the country. Great chefs, great wine, great cocktails. You know, you buy a ticket, you, you know, you, you're at some beautiful hotel or convention center. And, and then, of course, they have their much smaller, you know, really mega chef dinners all over the country. But at the end of the day, the whole thing is to raise money for childhood hunger and food insecurity issues. And they partner with so many other food banks and Feeding America and Feed the Children. It's hard. There's so many causes and fundraisers and nonprofits, but, you know, pediatric cancer, children with cancer, childhood hunger, you know, most of my time during the year, even, you know, going back into it now after COVID with Alex's Lemonade, which is obviously Alex's Lemonade Sand Foundation founded by Alex Scott. She was a young girl who passed away at eight or nine years old. And she had started um, doing lemonade stands outside of Philadelphia with her family, Jay and Liz, who are good friends, Jay and Liz Scott. She lost her battle to cancer, but she was, while she was sick, her goal was to, I'm going to sell lemonade and raise money for other kids with cancer. It's just, you know, you can't not be emotional about the story. And she was on Oprah, you know, this is like 20 years ago, 17, 18 years ago. And I think even before she passed away, she raised a million dollars and she was eight years old. And now, you know, the great chef Mark Vetri in Philly, dear friend of mine, they had read about Alex in Philly and he got, it's like 15 years ago now, he got the local chef community together, saw the story on the news and like, need to fucking do something. And they got all the chefs together and it started off like, hey, we had 50 people come. We cooked them a bunch of great food. We had them donate to the cause. You know, jump cut these annual events, raise the LA, LA Loves Alex's Lemonade event. You know, each year raises between one and $2 million at, at, at per event. So that's a great organization. But then what's great to be connected with No Kid Hungry, anything related to food. And then the created synergies with the New York Food Bank and the LA Food Bank where I live. And I've worked with the San Francisco Food Bank in fundraising. Um, but yeah, I mean, No Kid Hungry is such a great cause. And once again, people really, they can't kind of wrap their head around, well, how is there not enough food to eat? There is enough food in this country, for sure, even when you're just talking about the United States. But it's access to food and some obviously inner city neighborhoods. And it's um, 
they have amazing programs. They're in school lunch program and their breakfast program and their summer programs. Because when they give you, and I'm not an expert on the statistics, but you know, you have so many children in this country that get their meals at school, breakfast and lunch. Right. Their nutrition. For nutrition. And a lot of inner city schools, when they're out for the summer, people have real issues of where these children getting food. So, you know, they've created so many programs over the years, um, but they're in school program and lunch program and breakfast program and summer programs. So at the end of the day, like even with COVID, like their fundraising has been more than ever before, you know, even not doing any big high profile events. So it's a great organization to be connected to and honored to work with them. And literally I've hosted hundreds and hundreds of events for them. I've raised tens of millions of dollars and got to build the Billy brand and work with just that's how I meet everyone in the chef land, you know, and now I'm already like the older spokesperson, you know, like these younger chefs might not know who I am, but now they're going to learn. <laughs> they're going to learn for learn. sure. I think sure. that, you know, what you do is something to admire. You've really created such a unique space through truly good work, Billy, through truly good work that impacts others. Can you talk a little bit about how that affects you? You know, um, I can't imagine being on the road like you are, like you were all the were. time. And you really do tackle some pretty serious stuff. In, oh, yeah. And you're making it, of course, you know, you're making um, the, the events fun, correct? Yeah. But I know that you have visited some of the hospitals. I know that you're a hands-on guy. Yep. Um, can you talk a bit about how maybe the, the work that you do maybe has changed you a bit or yeah, has shown I, you a different part of the world that maybe you would not have seen? Yeah, I mean, it's humanity? a good question. Yeah, no, it, it's a great question. And I always tell people like, I mean, I sleep great at night because I'm trying to do in my world, in my little part. And, you know, all these years later, it really is. It, it's the two things. It's, you know, it, it's philanthropy through food and great wine and great cocktails which is a great model because it's a great way, you know, you have two sides of it. So when you talk about fundraising and then all my experiences, uh, which I'll get to in a minute, but from a physical business model of raising money for said organization, it's such a proven method now at this point to take a great chef with great wine and great cocktails at a great event, to attach it to a great cause, to give people a great experience. And then really, when you have the representatives from the organizations talk about everything that they're doing, you know, when you're dealing with the big donor networks of these organizations, it is a great way for them to raise massive amounts of money and much needed money. COVID has affected obviously everybody in the world, but let me tell you who it also really affects is so many of these small pro nonprofits that haven't had their galas, haven't had their fundraisings. You know, the bigger ones like the No Kid Hungries and the Alex's Lemonade that are already national organizations, it's very easy for people to donate to them. You know, we've been involved with so many galas that they're one big gala that they have every year keeps their lights on for the organization or raises X amount, you know, so-and-so. So yeah, personally with No Kid Hungry, I visited schools all over the country, you know, a lot of the big galas, then they usually have auxiliary events, go visit schools in Baltimore or in South Central Los Angeles or somewhere in the middle of Texas. You know, they even talk about, because I'm going to talk about No Kid Hungry and Alex's Lemonade a lot, and this is not exact, but they've raised so much money with Alex's Lemonade, Jay Scott, um, Alex's dad, with the money that they've raised over the years, that they have found cures for some of the cancers that they're, because their money goes so much to research. That's so amazing. that one, when you, no, no, it's beyond amazing. And I'm not mm -hmm. going to put, I'm not going to say the facts that I don't know for sure, but part of his speech at every event, but they really talk about that the amount of money, you know, you're talking tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars that specifically goes into research for pediatric cancer. So Jay will always say, when we do these events, the money that we raise here is going to make a difference in someone's life and someone that you don't even know. And the same thing with No Kid Hungry, or listen, attach it to any fundraiser, or any nonprofit. When they're on that mega black tie, Beverly Hills, Park Avenue, New York City, Michigan Avenue in Chicago, you know, the tuxedo crowd and going to these big galas, if it's AIDS or autism or breast cancer or childhood hunger, or, you know, go down the line. It's a great way to fundraise. So for me, I've been to pediatric cancer wards. I've been to food banks all over the country to see the work that they do. I mean, I'm going to get this number. I had this exact number. I was, it'll come to me or I'll find it on the amount of food. When you're talking about food banks, the New York food bank that they serve every single, it's like a number you can't, it's like a half a million meals a day, every day in the five boroughs of Manhattan. So wow. it's like, 
you know, you always like imagine putting out a, you know, a half a million lunch boxes full with food and they'll be gone tomorrow. And then you have to put out another half a million lunch boxes the next day and they'll be gone the next day. And again and again and again. So in my world, you know, I've been to hospitals, I've been to food banks, I've been to food pantries, you know, and, and so many of the other organizations that are, if it's lupus or epilepsy and the money that is just needed. I mean, it's like, there's so many levels to this, like during COVID, obviously people that have, even you look at lupus that are already immune compromised. So like the idea of having a live event and gathering people was never going to happen. So obviously like our whole virtual world became, that's another piece of the conversation, like, you know, what's happened virtually. But yeah, I mean, listen, at the end of the day, I try and put my money where my mouth is. We work for so many great organizations. You know, if it's, if it's related to cancer and the work that they do in hospitals to go into hospital wards and see where the money goes when it's food banks and pantries and no kid hungry. You know, I work with Kimball Mosk, Alon Mosk's brother. He has um, the big green, you know, and they build uh, gardens in inner cities so all the kids can grow vegetables. So I've been with Kimball at a bunch of the schools where they've planted the garden, the vegetables that the kid grow, children grow, and it's the whole experience of planting seeds and growing the vegetables and take care of the dirt, take care of the soil. So that's obviously a much bigger story in itself, but that's another avenue right there, you know, where they're putting their money where their mouth is. And, and that's another great charity, the Big Green. Can you For talk sure. a bit about um, how you really shifted during COVID? Because you've done some amazing work, you know, yeah. even though we weren't able to go into restaurants and bars, even just saying that sounds bananas. But, yeah. you know, can you talk about um, how you creatively found a solution to continue your good work? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny. I was like, I was at the Super Bowl two weeks ago. So I think COVID's kind of over three weeks ago, whatever it was. Um, yeah, I mean, listen, that was a what the fuck am I going to do kind of moment. Um, actually, the event I'm doing in New York, it's the Big City Meals on Wheels Gala with Daniel Balud. It's coming up on March 13th at Restaurant Danielle. That's the last event I did two years ago, almost to the day in New York. Everything got shut down the day after. I, I have this photo of me at JFK like on March 13th, 2020, flying home from it. Like mm-hmm. I flew back to LA on a 767 with like six people on the plane. Yeah, it's, that's nuts. Nuts. I have a picture of me at JFK at 10 o'clock in the morning on a Tuesday with not, not a single person there except like the one person checking tickets. If we segue into COVID, because you're talking about life shattering, you know, someone who's in, listen, owning a restaurant and your restaurant's closed, you know, there's certain things right away, like, oh, you worked at a bank or so-and-so, and then you're just working from home. But if you're in the, if we're just talking my world and you're someone in the events business and all of your events are canceled, every single one of them for all of 2020 and all of 2021, besides that financially, you're like, wait, what, what do you, every, what do you mean? This one's canceled. Oh, that one's canceled. Yeah. But not that one. That won't be, oh no, that's canceled too. Like those last three weeks of March when the whole country started shutting down, you know, it was one email after the other of obviously this event's canceled. Every event, every event is canceled. You're not going anywhere. There are no events. You're like, well, what am I going to do? It's how I make my living. That's we, I host events. I have business partners. We produce events. You know, we produce fundraisers. We produce for-profit. We produce nonprofit, you know, like everything was canceled. You know, and obviously, like you saw on the news and, you know, if you look at the little bubble, like the movie industry and the theaters in New York, you know, it's not just the actors out of work. It's the it was everything. The makeup artist, the lighting guy, the orchestra, the ticket takers, the concessions. You know, you look at every sporting event and, and the domino effect exponentially. But in my world, it's the event world and every event was canceled. Every event. It was so the March 10th or 12th or 13th. So there was really like, OK, And then there was, you know, the first six months of COVID, everyone was a little bit like, is this it? Like, are we all going to die? Like, is this like where the whole planet gets wiped literally? Right, right. We were waiting for the aliens. I know. You know, and people might laugh at that now, but I'm like, um, yeah, no, like this is, there's those Mm -hmm. photos of New York City and Chicago and LA, like, like a zombie movie, right? Just like a ghost town. Like literally, and I guess not even like a ghost town was a ghost town. Paul Vitagliano, I'll give a shout out to Paul. Paul and I have worked together for almost 10 years. We met at Aspen Food and Wine Festival. He comes from the private jet world. I had this great idea of doing, because obviously everything that we just discussed, work for No Kid Hungry and all these charities. I'm like, okay, I know all these chefs and I know all these charities and everyone knows me. So can I do my own thing? So about six or seven years ago, after a couple of years of planning, you know, we launched the Billy Harris Dinner Series and we've done about 200 225 dinners all over the country. Great chefs, great wine, great cocktails. 
but it's my thing. You know, I own it all. We manage it all. And, but every event that we do, there's always a philanthropic component. If we raise $1,000, $10,000, we would do these dinners and support local charities all over the country. Great for the restaurant, great for the charity. So on top of all the corporate events and the private events, and now your dinner series, everything was shut down. So God is my witness, my sister, Jody in New York, she calls me up and she goes, call Shelly Kunitz, her husband, Abe, these are all good friends. He just got a job at this place called Zoom. That was the, the phone call. Wow. You know, cause, you know, and I had heard of, you know, of course, everyone thinks they're experts. We're all experts now. But I had heard of Zoom and figured it was like some, you know, business to business video conferencing kind of thing, but really never used it, knew nothing about it. So Paul and I, we saw it and so on. So we, we spoke to them and met with the team and we're like, could we do our events, you know, virtually? First of all, you're like, okay, what the fuck am I going to do? I have to do something. And of course, at the beginning, right, everyone thought it was going to last two weeks, three weeks, six weeks. Oh, and then, you know, that's it. I mean, I mean, look at the state of the world right now. It's a whole separate conversation that we're not going to get into. So we're like, what are we going to do? We know all these chefs. We have great wine partners. We have great spirit partners. We work with all the charities. So we kind of had those four boxes checked off, the chefs and the wines and the spirits and the charities. Everything was shut down. We needed to make a living. How do we help out all these restaurants? Because everything was like, oh my God, restaurant cares. The restaurants are shut down. Well, I'm like, well, Billy Harris was shut down too. You know, I want to support all my friends, but I was like, okay, my business is completely upside down. So our first event was the first week of April, 2020. So we were only dark for about three weeks with chef Antonio Lafaso in LA, who's obviously a huge food network superstar. She has three great restaurants here. So we put together, we're like, okay, we you know, started working with Eventbrite, never used that before, created an event page, created a ticket page. We just figured it out, put it online. We sold tickets and we're like, you're going to support the restaurants and then we're going to get the food to your house. And then we were like, how are we getting like 200 people bought tickets? Because the restaurants were closed and everyone started doing delivery, but no one knew what the hell they were doing. So then, but that was, it was literally like, how are we getting food to 200 people? And then the restaurant right. were like, how are you putting how are you packaging food in a box? And we're like, okay, we know we can like, we call up our wine partners. Like, can you ship 200 bottles of wine to this address? And, you know, we spoke to, you know, our spirits partners and the William Grant team and many other partners. And I was like, can we make little cocktails? Like, how does, like, how does that work? Like everything was, how does it work? And then it was like, how do you get all the cocktails and how do you get all the wine? You're like, okay, we can ship it to the restaurant. And then you're like, is FedEx even delivering? Like, you know, it was all these, the beginning. So yes, the chefs figured out how to put their food and put the lasagna in here and put the salad in this container and put the pasta fajoule in this thing. And we put some, a bottle of wine, a bottle of water and little cocktails and thing. And we put it in a box and then we're just like, how do we get it to people's houses? We're like, we obviously have to drive it. So, I mean, this is like, you know, two weeks ago, you're up on, up on the stage at the Four Seasons in New York City. And now I have 20 boxes in the back of my car in Los Angeles making deliveries to people's houses. So Paul and myself and our wives and our kids and our friends' kids, because we're like, all right, we need 20 drivers. Everyone need, I'll give you a free meal. So we all met at the restaurant, put the food in the box, and we got on this Zoom thing. Everyone, you know, it was like, here's the Zoom link. Like, it, it seems so stupid now, three years later. We have really great friends and we have great relationships. So we had done a lot with the Wells Fargo Foundation in LA. So we knew that we still wanted to have a fundraising component, but with what was happening, you were like, we can't ask people to give more money. Like we figured they would buy the, you know, buy the tickets to support the restaurants and everything's closed and we can do food from really high-end restaurants in LA. And we work with Wolfgang Puck probably 20 times in the past two years, you know, with Wolfgang and he does, he cooks his risotto class. Oh, Billy, we do risotto, I'm Wolfgang. <laughs> you know, um, it's my horrible German accent, Wolfgang impression. Um <laughs> So, but we did, we did our first couple dinners very quickly. We did Antonio Lafaso and we got all the food and the box and the cocktails. We started delivering. And then we did with chef, top chef winner, Brooke Williams. And she's in LA. We could do a dinner with Brooke. And then Nancy Silverton, we work with all the time. You're like, you know, so now it's mid-April. You're like, Mother's Day's in three weeks. Everything's closed. And Nancy's Mother's Day thing, I think we had like 300 people by dinner because it was dinner for Mother's Day to deliver to your house. So, and then, you know, Everyone heard what we were doing very quickly. And a friend who worked with a different chef was now working for Wolfgang. And she calls me and she's like, oh, I saw you're doing this thing, you know, because I've always been a marketing guy. So we started sending out emails and we're doing these virtual dinners. It happened very, very quickly that we did two dinners and we did six dinners and we did 12 dinners. 
But the Wells Fargo Foundation came on board. And for every dinner that we did at each dinner, they would present a different charity with $10,000. That's amazing, so like, Billy. That's so we're really like, amazing. but it was great because we didn't want to ask people because we're like, okay, you can't do fundraisers. Like people are losing their jobs. Like no one knows what's happening. So it was nice that we had that. So we're like, we're going to do this event for the food bank and the Wells Fargo Foundation is going to give $10,000. We're going to do an event for the downtown women's center in LA and Wells Fargo is going to give $10,000 or Project Angel Food. And of course, people can always, you know, the ones that weren't affected, if they can donate, they can go ahead and donate, which is great. So then the, the game changer was, so this was maybe, so April, May, June, we did about three months of events and we did a lot in, into July. We probably did like 20 of these already. And we're like, but we just started like, who wants to do a dinner? And we got the chef and we could put it on sale. And we just, we took our live events and we were able to do virtual and we started to figure out the Zoom thing. And Zoom has gotten so much better over the past two years. And, you know, all of a sudden jump cut, people now are producing their entire events on Zoom. So we started doing these events. It got really big, really quick. And then the tipping point was the legendary movie producer, Jeffrey Katzenberg, who's on the board of the Motion Picture Television Fund in Los Angeles. We got recommended to him because before the Emmy Awards each year for television and the Oscars in LA the night before, there are these two big events called the Evening Before and the Night Before, which are fundraisers for the Motion Picture Television Fund, which is actually like a retired uh, living center in Los Angeles for retired people in the movie industry and so-and-so. But obviously, I live in LA and Hollywood and everyone around me is in the business. So all of a sudden, we're having conversations with the Motion Picture Television Fund and Jeffrey Katzenberg and this and that. So jump cut, you know, we start planning this thing for the Emmy Awards in fall of 2020. And, you know, I'm on my Zoom and all of a sudden, George Clooney's on my Zoom. And, you know, it like exponentially was like, oh, look at all these actors that are on my Zoom. And we did a VIP hour and everyone got food from John and Vinny's and they had great cocktails and they had great wine. And you're like, and then everyone just clicked on a button, clicked on the link in the chat, like we all do in Zoom, to donate $10, to donate $1,000, donate $10,000. So we did this event and all of a sudden we raised like $2 million. You know, there was really wealthy people on the Zoom. So that was like a game changer after three, four months in this crazy pandemic and doing these virtual events. And then we started working with Jeffrey Katzenberg and the Motion Picture Fund. And then after that, the Dodgers won the World Series in October of 2020. Just like the Lakers won, but it's funny because the Rams just had their parade. But when they won, there was no parade for either team because of COVID. So through those events, then we got a call from the Dodgers to produce their World Series party on Zoom. And this was, you talk about tipping point. We had a thousand people on Zoom. We hired a hundred drivers. We made a thousand deliveries. And then on the Zoom was all the owners, all the players, all their top sponsors, some fans. It was phenomenal. They had Fitz and the Tantrums play from the pitcher's mound in Dodger Stadium. But all of a sudden, it like this whole new world was created that because we fed Xboxes of food all over the country to other Dodgers partners and sponsors. You're like, wait, we can have people from all over the place in this virtual world. And we can still get them food and wine and cocktails, even though there's crazy liquor laws, as you know. So, you know. We could ship wine direct from the wineries, can ship to customers, you know, and then spirits were like, okay, they're not going to get the cocktails, you know, but they can, here's the recipe if you want to make a cocktail and join us when you're shipping a box, uh, you know, across the country. So just so everyone knows, we never ship booze. We know it's against the law, putting that out there. It's a spirit show. So yes, like all of a sudden between the Emmys and then you got the Dodgers and then we got the same call like, oh, we should, it's still COVID. You should do the Oscar party for us the night before on Zoom. So then it just kind of like exponentially got bigger. And then you're like, okay, we don't just have to do fundraisers and we don't just have to support restaurants. You know, let's put on our sales hats and why don't we reach out to our corporate clients and like, hey, do you want to cook along or a baking class with Food Network superstar Duff Goldman? And people are like, oh my God, we love that because our sales meeting was canceled and our president's club was canceled. So all of a sudden you're like, okay, now we can have five, six, 700 people on Zoom. Everyone gets a box shipped to their house with flour and sugar and cookie dough and chocolate and whatever. And you can have people around the world and you're having a baking class with a mega food network star. And then it got even bigger because then the Red Campaign, founded by Bono and Bobby Shriver, had their 15th anniversary. We referred to the Red Campaign. And I said, you know what? Pink, the singer Pink, Alicia Moore, we've worked together a lot of these fundraisers. She's a friend. I was like, because all of the red campaigns, all their live events were canceled. And since it's such a worldwide global organization dealing with 
AIDS and poverty worldwide. I was like, maybe she would do this. So I call her up. She's like, of course, I'll fucking do it. So I was like, OK, Pink's in her house in Santa Barbara. I had Chef Andrew Zimmern in Minneapolis. It was a cook along. You know, you got the cocktail recipe, you got the the uh, the, uh, the food recipe. And um, we had 57,000 people on a live stream. And, you know, people had to donate 20 bucks or 10 bucks just to join to the charity. And then we did it again with, you know, Joel McHale and Top Chef winner Kristen Kitsch, right? And then we had Anthony Anderson and Aron Sanchez. And then we had Al Roker and Tyler Florence. So now you're like, wait a minute, does this even have to do with COVID anymore? Or can we do events for anybody, for anything at any time around the world? And the answer is yes. So when you talk about like a rebirth and just adjusting and adapting, this was all born out of COVID totally changed my life. It'll be like a piece of the Billy brand, you know, for, for years to come for sure. And I think it's, it's, it just expands your reach in such a big way. You know, this virtual world that we're in now. And the fact I can tell you right now, food and cocktails and wine and, you know, sommeliers and mixologists and chefs work so well on zoom. I'll tell you what doesn't work on zoom is stand up comedy. Stand up comedy sucks. I have so many great friends like you just that one. You need the live audience for 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 sure. But yeah, so like we're just in a whole new world. And so we were two full years. We did like one hundred and two or one hundred and three massive virtual galas in all of twenty twenty, all of twenty twenty one. Starting in March next month is the first time for me in two years that I'm doing four or five live events. Mm-hmm. You know, some are still, you know, you have to, you know, bring your vax and you some are still testing. Most of them are kind of outside as already warm in California, but as we go into spring everywhere else. But I think after this Super Bowl now and you know mass mandates coming off, I, I think the floodgates are gonna open. And I feel like, you know, my personal belief is that if it doesn't work or there's big outbreaks, like, you know, COVID's not going away. It's the world that we're living in. I feel like as a society, we're all going to be like, if you all have to mask up for a few weeks at a time because it drops the transmission rate so much, you know, for all for all of us to live our lives because we all just have to live with it. But at the same time, you know, for me, just like you and almost everyone in the world, we've been doing these events from the house and I don't miss traveling at all. And personally, I feel like I've reached a much wider audience with these virtual events. And even after the red thing and the pink thing, so a woman that was on the event with Andrew Zimmern, she ran another organization, a great organization called Cure for the Kids, which is also a pediatric cancer in Las Vegas. And she's like, oh my God, our annual event was canceled and we're doing it with the Backstreet Boys. You know, can Mm -hmm. you guys produce this for us? So that was like our last event. It was with Nick Carter and a few of the other Backstreet Boys and some of the members of InSync. And they had tens of thousands of people on the Zoom and we still did food. We had Chef Naisha Arrington, who's one of the hosts of um, Next Level Chef on Fox Mm -hmm. right now. I think the finale was last night. So she flew to Vegas and did the food and we had the Blue Man Group and we had Nick Carter sing Backstreet Boys songs. So you're like, what a great way that you can create a virtual fundraiser and raise money for so many great organizations. And I feel like people give more, you know, they don't, mm-hmm. they don't have to leave their house. They don't have to wear pants. They can, <laughs> you know, I'm not wearing pants now. Sharon, I think mm-hmm. has pants on over there behind me. <laughs> she, she's looking over my shoulder. I guess they're just using the audio, not the videos. So, um, so yeah, I mean, that's where we're at right now. So like in like a rebirth transitional year, you know, this year we'll do, we'll do some live events and we'll still do some of these huge, we'll not do as many, it will be a transition year. Some people are just like, fuck it. We're mm-hmm. not having a Zoom sales meeting. We're getting our team together in Miami for the weekend for a drunk fest. But I think the days of, if you're looking in the smaller nonprofit world, I think smaller nonprofits for them to spend a few hundred thousand dollars, I won't name any hotels, but to rent out a really fancy hotel to raise money for a children's cancer organization. I think like board members are going to be like, why don't you take the $300,000 we would spend to have this black tie gala and just give it to the kids with cancer. Absolutely. Or create a great virtual experience where people can still get the food and get the cocktails and get the wine and have John Legend or John Mayer, because I'll tell you what's been interesting. It's been our own events that we produce and being guests on just being an audience member of other high profile Zooms. I also think the world of getting some of the mega artists, it's so much easier now for these fundraisers. Mm-hmm. But the ones that I've been on, you know, were John Legend's, you know, just sitting in his living room with a guitar, John Mayer's in his living room on his piano. You know, we had Seal perform at one of our events and he's just beyond amazing, but he was in his studio up in the hills of Hollywood. And, you know, he did it, 
you know, played for a half hour and I'll tell you it was really great. He's like, whoever wants to throw in a thousand dollars, right? I'm going to do a private concert. We'll wrap this zoom up, throw everyone off and just do it for those people. Wow. And like 20 people gave a thousand dollars each. And it was like a private concert with seal. People were at home drinking wine. He was drinking. Everyone was having a great time. Once it's just like a whole new world. And I think it's such a good thing. Like when technology works like this, it's amazing what we've accomplished, what so many other people have accomplished. And, you know, in this new world, but it, it works. And it's still, it's a whole new piece of the puzzle for me in the world of food and philanthropy. And it's just a great way to execute events, you know? Your story is incredible, Billy. It really <laughs> is. What, it really I don't is. know what it is, Bridget, but- It just, just kind of happened. I mean, it just seems like it's completely snowballed, you know? Yeah. Completely Crazy. snowballed. And it's wonderful in all the most wonderful ways it snowballed. I don't see um, our virtual world really. Yes, it's slowing down a bit, but I don't believe it's going anywhere. It truly is the easiest way for us all to come together as humans without getting on a damn plane. You know, I I know I've been on so many Zoom calls um, with folks from all around the world, which wouldn't happen unless I got on a plane and, you know, was gone away from my family for two weeks. So I, I see um, a lot How about of just being gone for two days yeah. mm-hmm. when you were just like, I have to go meet clients in Miami. And if you're just schmoozing, like even in a city like L.A., as big as it is, you know, and it's not even being lazy. People are like, hey, can you meet in Santa Monica? And you're like, why am I going to drive an hour and 15 minutes in traffic when you like I think so many things for productivity? And how about just people that have corporate jobs that don't waste two and a half hours a day sitting in a car in traffic? Absolutely. You know, absolutely. So what's next for you, Billy? <laughs> What's next for me? Um, well, kind of, you know, for right now, the transition is, is, you know, going back into some live events and listen, I'm a live event guy. I love doing live events. I don't want to do as many as I've done over the past 30 years. Cause I don't want to travel like that ever again. So this year will be the transitional year of virtual events, going back into live events, still keeping some virtual events. We're going to kind of launch the Billy Harris dinner series again. You know, we will go back um, you know, back to doing some live events in LA and in Chicago and in New York, you know, they've been so successful. If people want them outside, we will, we will have them outside, but yeah, I mean, busy, 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 you know, and, and, you know, one of the biggest things we're doing, which is exciting. We could talk about, so Silver Oak wines. So I'm going to mention mm-hmm. a brand because we, yeah, go for brands. it. You totally can go for yeah, it. Silver Oak, it's the 50th anniversary of Silver Oak. So Paul and myself are producing the 50th anniversary. We put together an insane lineup of chefs. Each dinner is for 50 people to celebrate the 50th anniversary. We're really going April through January even. We're starting Los Angeles with Chef Nan. And this will be open to the public. So it'll be very much, you'll, you know, everyone's going to hear about it real soon via Silver Oak and social media outlets. So Nancy Silverton in LA in April and May will be with Chef Mark Murphy and Hillary Sterling in New York. And June will be with the great Tandy Wilson in Nashville at City House. July will be in your neck of the woods with Paul Kahn and, and Chef Dylan Patel at Avec River North. Saturday, July 30th. I expect to see you there, Bridget Albert. I would love to be there. August, the week of August 6th is actually the 50th anniversary. The Saturday, August 6th is the actual 50th anniversary party at the winery. And they have multiple dinners lined up at, at Single Thread and with uh, Charter Oak with Christopher Costow and Kyle and Katina Connaughton. And then we're doing Bells and Los Alamos in Santa Barbara County. And then in the fall, we have State Bird Provisions in San Francisco and Spoon and Stable in Minneapolis with Gavin Kaysen. And November is Aaron Franklin at Franklin's Barbecue in Austin. And December is with uh, Nina Compton at uh, La Compere in New Orleans. Um, so yeah, it's like 16 or 17 live dinners, people that just love to drink great grape juice and celebrate Silver Oak and hang out with great chefs and me. And so, I, you know, I'm a, you know, I'm in the fun business. I also tell people like, I love these. So I'm ex- really, really excited to see those events, you know, come to fruition. And it's been like six months worth of work already. And it's March 1st. So we fi- we officially launch next month. So that is a big piece of our entire year, plus lots of fundraisers. There will be some for No Kid Hungry and Alex's Lemonade and doing an event with Jane Fonda in a few weeks. I'm excited about that. That's for- that's amazing. Yeah, that's for- I need to for- hear about that after that one. That one- well, I'll tell you right now, that's for Captain Planet. That's Ted Turner's nonprofit in Atlanta. Ted Turner was an environmentalist long before anyone even knew mm-hmm. how to spell the word. Of course, he was married to Jane Fonda as well, mm-hmm. but they're honoring her. That's in Atlanta. The Equus Foundation is a big deal in, in Miami. The City Meals on Wheels in New York coming up. The Alliance for Children's Rights in LA is another big gala. The Rwanda Rocks Gala, they build music schools in Africa. We're doing that. That's coming up as well. 
me and my good friend, Kevin Costner, I can now name drop that. So they're honoring him. That will be exciting. Um, and then there'll be a whole lot more, you know, I still work with city harvest and the New York food bank and the LA food bank. And, you know, we started doing some bigger events for us. You know, we did a big event with Dave Grohl from the Foo Fighters for the LA mm-hmm. food bank with Nikki six from Motley Crue and Lisa Loeb. And we had a barbecue and had 2000 people at the LA food bank. So we really want to produce more events like that as well, which is also great for us, things that are challenging and new. And, you know, obviously given the state of still COVID and people wanting yeah. outdoor events, mm-hmm. um, you know, Paul and I are producing a, a lot of in the Malibu area in LA, these big, beautiful outdoor spaces, you know, learning the challenges of like, let's have this event for 400 people and there's no power and there's no kitchen oh, and there's oh no boy. nothing. So <laughs> when you say, you know, what's challenges and what's new, because now we're just taking it to the next level because people want us to produce their experience because we're just so connected to so many great people. So anyway, a lot going on, Bridget. A lot going on. I'm so proud of you, Billy. I guess I can say I knew you when. You did know me when. I did know you You knew me from that time we were in a bed in New Orleans with Debbie Pete. baby, yes. Feathers or Sharon's like- Wearing feathers and squeezing lemons. That's the story for our next podcast. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's a different podcast. That's a different podcast. I haven't shut my mouth for an hour. Where can my listeners find you? Where can our listeners find you, Billy? All right, current listeners, go to billyharris.com. It's all there. The dinner series is there. The corporate events are there. The fundraising events there. You know, we usually have links for when everything goes on sale, which is there, which will all start up again next month. So pretty easy, billyharris.com. If you want to find me on Instagram, it's the Billy Harris because Billy Harris is a tattoo artist on Instagram. So I said, fuck it. I'm the Billy Harris. You are the Billy Harris. I love you, Billy Harris. You seem to be a very popular tattoo artist because people DM Mm -hmm. me all the time thinking they're messaging him and (laughs) I can't give you any ink, you know. That's so funny. Well, listen, um, Billy, thank you so much for being on Served Up. You are such a ball of energy and you have one of the most incredible stories to served share. Up. I feel served you, up. I don't know what that you, means. You know. <laughs> well, I just, you know, um, on behalf of the served up family, thank you for the good work that you do for good people, which you good do work um, for good people with good yeah, friends, with good friends. And it's important work. And sure. it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure for me to call you my friend. So thank you. And um, on behalf of Served Up, I just want to wish you some great health during this time, especially when you get back up on that, on the road aggressively, <laughs> it sounds like, and a whole lot of peace, Billy. Same to you, Bridget. Thanks for having me on Served Up. Thanks for listening. Served Up is brought to you by Southern Glazers Wine and Spirits. Produced by Zunu.online. Music by We Kill the Lion can be found on Spotify. Make sure to subscribe to be notified of future Served Up episodes. Cheers. Cheers.